It's November 15, 2018. This is Acacia Thompson for Brooklyn Public Library's Greenpoint Oral History Project for Our Streets, Our Stories. And I'm here on Russell Street at the Park Church Co-op with Pastor Amy Kinsley. Hello. Hi. Hi. So Pastor Amy, can you tell me a little bit about the Park Church Co-op, its history, its previous church, and how you came to be here? Sure. So the Park Church Co-op is three years old. We uh, officially started the um, the new start out of an old church uh, in like September of 2015. Um, and that was after um, the prior church, uh, the, the English Evangelical Lutheran Church of the Messiah had dwindled over the 20th century to be just like a handful of members. And we sort of discerned that the time for that ministry was over and we would start something new here, keeping a Lutheran presence um, that had been in the neighborhood for 116 years at that point um, on this park and in this in this part of the neighborhood. Um, I came uh, five years ago, uh, so two years before we actually started the new church or the new start. Um, and uh, I was working with two of the churches in the neighborhood actually, St. John's, which is on Milton Street and is 150 years old and Messiah and they had over the 20th century, um, they pretty quickly dwindled, I guess, you know, like in, in the mid 20th century to, or to late 20th century, they, both of them start, started losing membership. And so they started working together, like sharing pastors and stuff. Uh, and so this was sort of the last, like, let's see, <laughs> we can like get us to do something together. Um, Messiah uh, here on, in this location had like about seven people like holding on, trying to like, hold on so that like something new could be born and then St. John's had about like 20 people or so and and it's amazing how people just kind of hold on even though when you look around you can see well something needs to be done differently here um you know and it's just like it was a very um interesting study in human human nature and, and culture and how it holds on where we still couldn't get the two churches to work together they were still that different even though it's the same same denomination, same tradition, whatever, but still like, you know, St. John's is St. John's and Messiah is Messiah. Um, and so that's where we were like, okay, that was sort of a failed experiment or we can't, we can't make them work together. So we'll do something here where there's a park, it was more open and, and Messiah had already started opening their building to the community kind of somewhat as a, as a missional thing, but also as a survival thing. Like, well, if people use our building, get some money, maybe people will want to join. And, and so I kind of, um, when I came, I was like, well, we need to build on this or here's potential um, to work in this location and build on those partnerships, let the people know who are already using the space, like the farmer's market and the, um, the CSA distribution and um, no lights, no light run, the things that already were here, that we value those things and we want to be ministry partners with you because we don't have a lot of people, but we value those things and, we, and you can do that better than we can. So, so that was um, when we realized like Messiah and St. John's wasn't gonna work. We applied for a grant through our denomination. Um, the Luther, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America will give um, some grant funds to try to see in certain locations if a new church can be born. And, and so that's where grant funded. Um, and so that grant actually, uh, sort of has run out. We, um, we're actually in this probationary period. Um, we heard in February that, well, 
we don't think this from the denomination like well we're not sure this is working the way we hoped but then when they heard from the people in the community and the people around who said this church means something to me they changed their mind they said okay like here's an extension um so we're approaching actually a time of uh in december 14th we'll actually hear again whether you know is it is it growing in the way that we hoped and you know what is the future of the place so uh-huh. and how do you feel how do you how are you feeling right now about that um it's a mix of emotions you know it's been sort of an emotional roller coaster this year because it was sort of like we were prepared to accept the decision in February and then in March they kind of presented this other thing because people wrote letters and said you know like like I said this church means something and um you know it's just a challenge in this context to get people to come to church you know like we're the idea of the co-op um tacked on to Park Church is that uh because we had these partnerships and we built on them we're trying to we've tried to like draw those um those partners into a deeper relationship and have events that like cross pollinate or share resources and and people um but still the the church is interested in planting a christian worshiping community of some sort and and we have grown that i mean um you know i started with like officially i started with like two people from the former church you know but there were only seven people here anyway you know, and now we have like an average of 20 in worship or like, you know, so things have grown just maybe not as quickly as like anyone wants. But, um, you know, so if it doesn't move forward, it would be sad for me. Like, and, you know, it's it's hard for me because it's like kind of all on my shoulders, even though I have like my I have a small staff and I have like people around. It still falls to me. And I'm sort of the one between the denomination, the granting organization and the people and and I'm a pastor, right? So like, I love the people things more than the administrative things or trying to like fundraise or, you know, because the, the level of money that we really need is large. You know, it's like the annual budget is one thing and that's not maybe huge, but then like there's a roofer here right now because there's water coming in, right? So this building that's beautiful and has a lot of history also of course needs maintenance and will need more so as it gets even older and you know and and so i worry you know because it's like well you know how are we going to find this money in order to be self-sustaining so that you know because ultimately the church can't keep just like pouring money into these starts unless they can eventually become self-sustaining so we're kind of at that point where it's like okay what's the plan for sustainability and stuff so it's stressful right you know and I'm just trying to like toe this line between like, well, on the one hand, like we still have work to do and just influencing people's lives and impacting them. And I've been doing a lot of pastoral care lately where people are just lonely and feel like there's no one, they have no communities to support them. And, you know, and so I've been doing a lot of talking to those people and that's the stuff that I'm called to do um, as well as do worship and stuff. But then there's also this other piece of like find money and, you know, manage this building and, you know, and then, and you're going to be evaluated. So it can be a little bit like uh, a lot of pressure kind of, you know. Well, tell me about some of these partnerships. I know that when you, you created Park Church Co-op that there were some really interesting things going on in this church that you don't see in other churches. Can you talk to me about some of the things that you've done and the programming that you've done? Sure. Yes, when I came, like I said, there were some seeds planted and the previous pastor, he had left like maybe a couple of years before I came. There was like other pastors covering Um, But he had started opening it up. So there were, um, like I said, the farmer's market was at least like storing some of their stuff here. 
Um, but the first year that I came, they asked if they could do a winter market. And, you know, and at first the people that were here were like, well, but we have Sunday school. And I looked at them and said, well, how many people are in Sunday school? And they're like, well, I mean, like four. So I'm like, well, could they move upstairs? Just, just trying to like shift people out of, well, this is how we do it so that other opportunities might come. And I said, you know, we can try it. Like, we'll see if it works. And, and so um, I think that was like 2014 uh, in the, the winter. Um, the market came in for the first time for the summer. And so they were downstairs in the, in the fellowship hall area. Um, and, uh, and it was just really cool to have like people coming through like on a Sunday, like, you know, 400 people coming through the space. And, um, and then we did that for like in various ways, like, you know, it's, it's hard when you change location, I think like for people, even if you advertise and advertise, like people don't always find you and stuff. So it's always been sort of a question of like, is the winter market worth doing for the market itself and stuff. But, but over time we also partnered like with um, like the market, uh, we did our first like community meal with them a few years ago. And it was like, we had m many fewer people uh, in the church at the time. And so like the market people really like helped, like I helped, but like they made the meal and um, it was a fundraiser and they gave us the funds and we did film screenings with them and, and things like that where it was like a film screening about like um, urban farming or about waste, uh, food waste. And then we had like a panel and, you know, so it was a way to like bring the community in for a different thing that we value. Um, and then uh, one of the partnerships that I found um, was the Brooklyn Children's Theater, which comes on Tuesdays after school. Um, that's been here maybe like three, three or four years now, three years. Um, maybe four, uh, I just was like, well, we have this stage downstairs and I know there've been like adult theater groups in the past that had, you know, cause people tell me like, oh, I was here for like a show or there used to be a theater group. And so I was like, I wonder to try and reach out to kids. Like if maybe they do theater workshop, I didn't know what they did. So I, so I reached out and then when we talked, it was like, oh, you do an after school thing. Well, we have a school across the way. So it probably is a natural connection to because you'll have a ready-made you know group of kids or whatever and and so that program has outgrown us like they still um uh do their rehearsing here uh on tuesdays but they've had to do their performances now at the school the last uh two times or two years because like we would <laughs> we outgrew our folding chairs the like after the first performance and then like they had to bring in chairs and all this stuff so they thought well we'll just move it to the auditorium and stuff but but that's something that I'm proud of that we helped to start this program that like brings the arts to uh, to children and their families and um, we also do a lot of concerts and that sort of developed um, we had a member here uh, who that was his sort of passion and you know I'm a yes sayer <laughs> sometimes I need to learn to say no appropriately but I I'm just sort of like oh you have an idea if you want to do it great we'll try it and you know so I let him kind of run with that and um, so he started hosting like shows here um but it quickly was clear that we couldn't exactly manage it like with just like one person and stuff so we um actually through his like work and outreach there were like skilled people who got connected like sound engineers and light engineers from the neighborhood you know there's all these people resources in the neighborhood you know people who do all these things and um so they had found out oh there's shows happening and so they got connected so i like had a conversation with them and said well we want to take it in a different direction make sure we have clearer like 
guidelines and boundaries being followed with sound for the, cause we don't want to be bad neighbors, you know, and it's hard cause we're like locked in between houses and stuff. So to do some of these like concerts and things, we have to be careful about, you know, not bother, you know, being too late or too noisy. And, and so we, um, shifted to a partnership with a organization ad hoc, which came out of the bro- local North Brooklyn community too. It's just like a grassroots, like, um, entrepreneur, local entrepreneur, um, and now is really growing and expanding. Um, but they became our primary partner. So over the last two years, um, they sort of exclusively do shows, although we do still do like community shows or things that people like local people have ideas about or people that are connected with us. Um, but they put on shows regularly in the space. And I think like in 2000, let's see, 2017, we had like 7,500 people or something came through for those shows like throughout the year. And, you know, and it helps us, it supports our budget a bit. Um, and we're looking at like how maybe a partnership with them could, like it could be a clearer, like slot this amount into the budget for this many shows or, you know, so it's just like more solid number, but, um, but that's been a great thing and obviously raises visibility. And I'm trying to like be at as many shows now and make announcements just saying like, welcome. And I want to be your pastor if you need to talk and, you know, just like let people know that we're an active church. Cause I think, you know, that's been the story of so many churches, I guess a little bit in our neighborhood, but certainly throughout Brooklyn where it's like, they close and become some art or concert venue. And so at first, like people didn't even know, they just thought it was like a concert venue. And so we started putting signs. Like I put a welcome sign up with my picture to say like, while people are waiting to come in, they can read it. And just so that people know like, oh, this is an active church that values the arts. And we see art as a spiritual expression. And, you know, rather than just like uh, an old church that's cool looking to have art in, you know, so. Um, and I think, you know, that is our thing. Like one of our values that we discerned is that creative practices are spiritual practices. And I, I love doing art myself. Um, so it was sort of a natural, like, there were so many artists in this community, whether it's music or visual arts. And, um, and so even now we have um, an Advent art show that's opening tonight called Keeping Time. And we've done this over the five years that I've been here, like, it was every other year for a while where during the Lenten season before Easter, we'd invite local artists to come and do a stations of the cross, but like reimagine it. Um, and so it was, art was displayed throughout the space in the season. So it sort of enhanced worship and allowed people to come in to view it if they just want to view art or as prayer, you know, so, and it's been really amazing. Like the artists are so giving or want to do that. Um, and we, we make it clear. It's not like you can slap a, a price tag on the bottom or the back and say like it's to display for sale it's it's for prayer it's to like express your spirituality in a way and people have been thankful to me like I'm always like oh thank you for like purchasing the materials and paying for the moving van to come here you know because we don't have a lot of resources to like pay for the show and they're always like no thank you for letting me explore my own like spiritual journey or spiritual history and, and stuff like that so um, so those are some of the partnerships. I mean, we have other, well, we have the preschool downstairs. That was a, a co-op preschool that they said, oh, we heard, we saw co-op in your name. And we thought maybe there was a, like a simpatico kind of, or, you know, kind of thing going on here. And so they've been with us for the last like three years. And, um, and it is, it's like local people that, you know, it's affordable, high quality, like education and stuff. And so we have that in our space and. And we do events with them. Like they're the ones that most easily uh, 
sort of crossover when we have events like we had our we had a community meal just like a, a month ago um it was amazing we had like 100 people here from the community just having a meal together and a local chef from La Fond made the meal and then we had like our uh, preschool parents and our church members like volunteering and making the meal happen and so it was really just a, a beautiful kind of expression of our neighborhood like because it really was like I felt at that meal like this is what Greenpoint is kind of about like people just come together and it feels like family but they may have been strangers like when they came in the door but we we still have this neighborhood feel to some extent here and so I think it's really beautiful. Well tell me more about that because you have you've been in the neighborhood for how long five years? Yeah I've been working for five years and then living for three. Okay um, so tell so. me about how you feel about coming to Greenpoint like how how you found it and how, how you uh you enjoy the community here yeah i mean i i like this part of the neighborhood particularly you know around the park is really beautiful and i think it's a gift that we have like this um you know this this park to kind of center and anchor ourselves around and you know and for me that the church and the park have been sort of together for almost the whole time you know it's kind of a an interesting thing like you know i even found i have this booklet that the way I came up with the name for the park church is that there's an old um, constitution booklet for the church that they had professionally printed in 1925 that said the park church underneath. <laughs> like, so clearly they sort of referred to it that way to people like, oh, we're the park church, you know, so connected to this, this park, which is the center of the sort of life of the community here. Um, you know, it's interesting when I first came and I was just working here and I was living in Sunnyside because you know, the, the one thing about the neighborhood, of course, is the cost of living, you know, and so um, I'm thankful that I was able to make it work eventually. Um, but, you know, the first two years coming back and forth, it's amazing how, like, I said to people, well, the first weekend that I moved here into the neighborhood, I immediately saw the neighborhood in a totally different way than when I'm like coming back and forth and talking to people and learning about it, but you still don't live there. You know, you're not going to the laundromat or you're not going to the store and seeing people and like um and that was like a bad winter that year so it was like i was here less and less because or it was like i you know it was hard to sometimes commute over even though it's like not that far but it's like um and so really coming into the neighborhood i got a totally different kind of perspective and um you know i I wish I could connect more with like the um, the older parts of the neighborhood, like the Polish community and stuff. Because, but I there's somewhat a language barrier. I think there's a cultural barrier. Of course, we're not trying to. Um, it's not that we're not reaching out to the Polish community, but like we're also not trying to steal people away from like their church. Like, um, and um, obviously they're still very connected to the Roman Catholic churches and, and things. Um, but we have tried little ways to. Um, to say that we're not um, distinct from any part of the neighborhood. Like we don't want to just be the gentrifying church or like here for the hipsters or whatever kinds of labels people put on it. And so, you know, in my work, trying to find those little ways that we could just signal that we're here. And so actually the library, when it closed, that's sort of another partnership. They had called us and said, would you like to keep some of the collection in the neighborhood? And and originally they said just like, the, they made it sound more like the Polish collection. And I thought, oh, that might be a great way to say like, oh, you know, here we have books for, you know, for the Polish community here and, and stuff like that. And, um, or, um, 
even with the respite program, although there's mixed feelings about, you know, when we open the respite program here, I guess that's another one of our big programs. Um, you know, coming to the neighborhood, I realized the unique or I guess it's unique, but the, um, that having so many uh, individuals without housing and, you know, and being from the Polish community, many of them, and, um, and that they're sort of a fixture here too, that people don't want to acknowledge or they know, but then they don't, you know, we don't know what to do about it. And like, and so, um, when I first came, I, I heard from colleagues about like from other churches, like the reformed church and that there was this opportunity for churches to house people. Um, and the first year that I came, uh, it was like very new, like it was August. So I'm like, well, if we're going to do this, it would like start like soon. And I don't know, I have to learn my people and figure out like what the landscape and, so I didn't do it that year, but the next year we opened the respite program with Breaking Ground and the Department of Homeless Services because an individual had died in the park. Like we had already started conversation, but then like a person died right before Thanksgiving. So it kind of early, I mean, but like today is cold, right? Like, and, um, and so uh, we got things quickly together to like start that program. So it's been, this will be the fourth fourth season where we'll host people it's a it's set to start i think like this weekend um host people just like as a justice issue you know it's like i look out on the park and it's like well if people die over there and i have heat in here then we have to figure something out and like you know and and i said i said well i, I have a building but i don't have people so you know i can't staff it but if you you know i hear that there's a program to staff it and whatever and and you know and because it is um heavily the, the people are often Polish speaking who have like a Polish speaking staff person and stuff. And so, um, so we found ways to minister to even like those parts of the community, you know, the, the older parts of the community or the ones that have been here, uh, for a long time. Um, I do love this neighborhood. You know, sometimes I, even myself, like, I guess I'm, I don't like to think of myself as like a gentrifier, but I guess like in some ways I am where I'm like the face, a similar face to what they see, you know, um, and I had that experience as I was looking for apartments, uh, when I first came, I had to have roommates cause it was just so expensive. And actually I had a colleague who had a church in Williamsburg. So we at least were two pastors trying to, you know, figure it out. Um, but I remember we were looking like, you know, cause it was so hard to find something that was big enough and in our price range. And so we were looking far afield or, you know, like a little bit wider circles. So like into Bed-Stuy or like Bushwick or things. And, you know, and I had mixed feelings like when I was like walking down the street and there were like black neighbors out and I felt like, am I just like one, you know, another white, young white person like coming, you know, and so I try to understand that too in the neighborhood, that that is a challenge for a lot of the neighbors that have been here for a long time. Um, you know, I've talked to some of the older people too, and some of the, you know, of course there's a mixed, you know, like some people are like, oh, you know, it's great the changes like our neighborhood is revitalized again but a lot of people just mourn the loss of you know lots of the mom and pop shops that were here and it feels like uncontrollable like you know the cost of living like i have members here like some of my members particularly the younger ones um uh even our uh one of my staff people it's like they have to live in bushwick with roommates and so like they can't get it takes them a long time to get here like every sunday um emily is like texting me saying i'm on my way but the l train is now like a bus and you have to get off and you know and so they said it's like really hard to come to church 
because it's not even that close to the subway stations. And then by the time I like try and get up here, it's hard. And, you know, so that's been like the cost of living has been a reality for my people. Um, as it was a reality for me, I thought, well, because my roommate moved out and then I was like, okay, do I get just a random roommate who might have a different lifestyle than me or like schedule? Um, they want to go out on Saturday. I have to like go to sleep so I can be there on Sundays. Like, okay. I was fortunate that the church increased the housing allowance, but that only increases the grant that I have to like, you know, make up. And, and so, you know, I, it was like, well, can I stay in the neighborhood or am I going to have to like move again, which takes energy and time and like attention away and I'd be outside the neighborhood, you know? So, so this struggle about like cost of living and, you know, that's what I am sad about. Cause like, I don't, people are people. So I, I'm here to minister to whoever is here. Um, but that people can't live in their neighborhood anymore or, you know, like the, the park deli over here that like she was going to have to leave and been there for, you know, it's been there for 90 years, you know, and just because rent people like raise the rent so much. And, um, I live in now I, I moved and I live in an apartment, uh, in a, one of the parishioners owns a house and her tenant had moved out and, and she's not giving me the special pastor rate. She, cause she said, uh, even before I, I was going to take it. She was like, yeah, people keep telling me, well, I could get more money than I'm charging. Um, but she's like, but I think people need like reasonable places to live, you know? And, and so that was a refreshing kind of story, you know, because what we hear is like, oh, my land, you know, the new owner jacked up the rent and, you know, and so I keep thinking something has to change. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's sort of nat the natural progression a lot of times of neighborhoods, but, right. um, but it does make me sad about that, that like, you know, the, the people who've lived here for so long find it hard to stay. Right. And even new younger people and artists are like, I can't find a place, you know, to be near the church or be in the community that I want to be in. And right. Well, speaking of your parishioners, um, with the environment and specifically because where we're located here mm -hmm. on, on Russell Street, we are close to Newtown Creek, the BTE, on a right next to a truck route. Um, and we're right next to the ExxonMobil and the Meeker Plume spills. So can you maybe talk to me about a little bit about how the environment, the how the industrial pollution has affected your parishioners or, or how you as a resident of Greenpoint, how the environment has been an influence on you? Yeah. Um, you hear it from people here and there, you know, like, and of course it's always, this is the difficult thing with environmental issues, right? Like it's hard to prove that your cancer came from X, Y, or Z. Um, but there are certainly people that like feel like living here, this is why cancer is increasing or this is why I have cancer. Or like, um, I don't have a lot of parishioners that talk that way necessarily. And partly cause you know, a lot of the ones that have lived here a long time aren't still with the church like i have one person the, the person whose house i live in uh, colleen has been you know was born here and raised in this church and she's in her 60s whatever um she hasn't really talked too much about like the environmental things but i i know that early on in my time here it became part of my awareness partly because of the gsef granting that was going on so there were a lot of you know when i went to community meetings or you know a lot of people were scrambling to put projects together for that and we actually um became part of one of the proposals there was a group out of the new school that um, wanted to partner with us uh, and put a proposal together we, we obviously we didn't get the grant funds for it but it was a really interesting um, 
time for like a semester uh, in, I think it was like in 2014, like the spring semester, we had like students here from the new school and sort of the idea, I forget the details exactly, but was to have um, this place be maybe like a environmental laboratory or and eventually get the building to be sort of more energy efficient and, you know, um, but I remember from that time, just conversation, they tested the soil in our garden and the lead was something or the, you know, whatever the lead and other heavy metals and stuff was like off the charts of 400 times what it should be or whatever. So, you know, they wanted to start a garden and we knew, well, we have to have raised beds. So it's sort of just in everyone's consciousness, like don't eat things. Like I, I went to um, a restaurant with uh, someone from the church and she's a newer member um, but she's lived in like Williamsburg Greenpoint her whole life too. And, um, the, on the menu, it said like local tomatoes and she wouldn't order that dish. Cause she said, well, I don't trust that that person who, whoever's tomatoes they are, like where did they put them in the soil or did they raise the beds? And like, and so, so it is in people's consciousness, like to be afraid, like we can't eat anything, you know? And I tell people like, oh, you know, don't put the herbs in the ground or like, you know, so, so it just is sort of like, we're aware that you know, there's all this here and I, I like to run and I, um, then I do in the neighborhood. It's not like I, I, I don't, I don't not run, but then you think like when, when, when you wipe your windowsill and there's all this like, so, cause I do live like right near the BQE, which was also true in, in Sunnyside, you know, and just like every day there's like black kind of soot, you know? And, and so you're like, huh, you know, you just kind of think like what, what am I breathing every day and what it will be the effects or could be the effects later or like, you know, so it's just, um, you know, having to live that with that in your consciousness. I know like the, the preschool is very, um, here at this church is very conscious about those things. And I think parents are, um, and so they will say like, well, you know, if your kids go in the park, watch them, like, don't let them like eat dirt or like, you know, be touching the ground too much or, you know, so, it, so it is like something that people live with sort of this fear or like, how do we live in this neighborhood we like, but we know that there's also these potential dangers, um, here. So, so it is just sort of like in the consciousness of the people that I relate to. And right. All right. Okay. Was well, there anything else that I haven't asked you that you'd like to, um, say about Greenpoint or about what's going on here at Park Church Co-op? What do you have coming up? Yeah, we got we have a lot of uh, holiday stuff. You know, we're we're still relatively small, but we do a lot of things. You know, sometimes that uh, I get a little anxiety about that. Like, okay, is it gonna is it gonna work? But it, it all does. Just like the the dinner we had, we had a Halloween party. Um, so we've got uh, some caroling coming up and uh, decorating. Like on December second, we have like decorating, and we started a new family worship. Like the first Sundays of the month, so we'll do like family worship and decorating. Um, we'll do caroling the next weekend at the, um, St. John's hosts, uh, like an afternoon meal for, for anyone really, but like people like low income or people who need a meal. And so we, we went last year and sung there with like some of the kids and the families. And so we're going to do that again. And we've got like some concerts and, uh, micro Korg miss, which is like this, um, sort of keyboard thing that you like speak in or blow into and it like enhance so it's kind of a weird sound so but we're going to do carols with that and and then of course like christmas eve and stuff's coming up and so we've got like yeah. christmas eve uh, services and things so okay. all right well thank you for talking to me yeah today. thank you thank you